Nicole from Comicsverse, and I have the pleasure of talking to Scott Snyder today. Scott, how's it going? It's going great. Happy Halloween. Thanks for having me on. Happy Halloween. Love it. Um, so I'm going to jump right into it. We're talking today about Drowned Earth, which is a pretty rad event. Um, a little Halloween-y, just because of how dark it is, I'd say. Um, but in a good way. <laughs> I think it's great. Um, Thanks. We're really Halloween. having a blast on it. Yeah, it's, it's really rad. Um, today on Halloween, we have part one. Um, but next week on November 7th, your Justice League 11 uh, kind of ties into it, right? Yep, exactly. Yeah, next week, Justice League 11 is, is part two. Um, we sort of made our own chart. It's really, it's a five-part story. It kind of began last week in Justice League 10, uh, uh, or two weeks ago in Justice League 10, um, which was billed as a prelude. And that to today, the special coming out today, um, Drowned Earth, number one, um, is billed as kind of part one. But I sort of I made a chart that's more of sort of the spiritual math of it, which is just a part one, part two, part three, part four, part five, part five. And so technically, uh, while today is part one, if you're looking at the whole story, Justice League 10 was sort of the first part. This is the second. The third one comes out next week in Justice League 11. So really, really excited about uh, about everything we're doing um, on this one. And I hope people are enjoying it. Yeah, totally. So um, my first, like, real deep question um, is when you and uh, James Tinian are constructing something like this, when you're kind of splitting issues, do you guys sit down and come up with the structure of the event? And then, like, do you share your scripts with each other later? Or do you just kind of, like, trust they're doing what they're supposed to do and I'll do my part? Like, how does that work? How do you balance it? Oh no, not at all. Yeah, we we we're very we're. I mean, James is sort of my brother. You know, we have known him a decade. He was actually my student when he was like finishing his undergrad forever ago. So, um, in terms of how we work, I mean, there's no separation. I mean, I talk to him multiple times, pretty much every day, more than really like anybody, uh, work wise, and. Um, when we're building something like this, he'll come out to my house um, or I'll, you know, meet him near his and or go into the city and meet up. And we'll just spend a couple of days with a couple of whiteboards planning, you know, everything visually and just being like, what are the emotional arcs of these uh, characters during the whole event? What is it about? What is what is the purpose of it? What are we getting on the other side? And then sort of doing the math of, of building it to a big three act structure. What's the inciting incident? What's the turning point? all that kind of stuff. So we really map it out together. And then when we sort of divvy up the actual um, workload, um, we always trade scripts right and left. So he, there's nothing I have, I've written for Justice League um, that James hasn't written and given me notes on, and there's nothing he hasn't written for Legion of Doom and Justice League as well, or the event here that I haven't read and given him notes on back. So we're, we're constantly very sort of fluidly, um, you know, working in tandem that way where there's, there's no, it's never like, Oh, I didn't see this. And now I'm reading the issue as it comes out. <laughs> it's always like every, every piece of every script is sort of a joint effort in some way. Totally. That completely makes sense. And I love hearing, I love hearing how you guys all collaborate on stuff. Like, you know, I love hearing about how you writers collaborate with their artists. So tell me, a little bit about your art team on this one. You've got Francis Manipal doing a bunch of stuff, the, you know, pencils, inks, colors, right. and you've got Tom Napolitano on letters. So how do you uh, work with those guys? 
Oh, they're great. Tom and I go way back, and um, Francis as well. I mean, Francis and I became friendly back when he was doing Detective Comics. Um, so uh, we've sort of been um, pals for quite a while. I mean, we were looking for things to do together for years, and then No Justice came along, and we had such a good time that it, I wanted to make him a real mainstay on Justice League as well. Yeah. So we have, a, we have a lot lined up together, but, um, you know, I, I think he has this incredibly effortless way of bringing this kind of majesty and grandeur and sort of huge over the top superhero um uh visuals to uh, a story like this like everything it needs and yet at the same time he's so intensely emotional i think in, in the quieter moments and mm-hmm. howard is the same way howard porter is is on art duties for for this special and then he does half of our finale as well mm-hmm. which is another big 38 page <laughs> special um so uh howard again is same kind of thing where i feel like he he's so good at the moments that are just like comic book um crazy you know with like thousands or hundreds of fish monster dcu characters attacking a flying pirate ship you know over a over an alien ocean with the moon broken and all of that kind of crazy stuff he can do those um really intensely emotional moments incredibly well so i feel really really lucky i mean we're working with with you know people that I think are perfect for the job, but also friends and, and just great, great creators. So I'm very, very uh, grateful to them. And, and I'm very proud of what they're producing for it. Yeah. Um, I'm happy you brought up the grandeur uh, aspect because there is a page in this issue and I'm not getting into spoilers. I'm not going to be that person, but there is a page in justice league 11 that has to do with wonder woman, Aquaman and Poseidon. It's a full page image i'm sure you know probably know what i'm talking about and it yeah smacked me on my like smacked me across the face (laughs) gorgeous so when you're writing that in a script right and then you see the ideas manifest when you see the art does that ever get old or does like like is it amazing every time because to me that would be incredible Oh no, it, it never gets old. It's the it's it's probably the best part of the job is when you give somebody that you trust um the bones, you know, in a script that allows them to do something that elevates your story and gives them whatever room they want or need to transform it into something better than you could alone and you get something back that's so imaginative and uh, inspiring, like the you know, this chapter in particular, Justice League eleven if you've been reading the story or if you haven't, I'll catch you up really quick in general, anyone listening to this, basically our story is about Aquaman discovering that um, Atlantis back when it was sort of this great civilization at the, the dawn of sort of culture. Um, and it was still above, above water uh, sent out a call to, to any sort of um, any and all life almost across the, the universe to band together in this almost oceanic um, oceanic kind of union. And instead, what what came here were these sea gods that tried to steal Poseidon's trident and seed um, life on oceanic planets that really didn't have anything but the beginnings of um, beginnings of uh, life at that time. And the great hero of of Atlantis, um, Arion, struck down these gods with Poseidon's help and sent them to this place, the graveyard of gods, where all dead deities go. And the Legion of Doom. Uh, breaks the doors open on the, the graveyard of gods and they find its location. And so now these sea gods have returned to Earth at the start of our event. They've flooded the entire planet with this alien ocean that turns anybody it touches 
into sort of a fish monster under their control. Um, and they're here to reshape the planet in their image and get their revenge. So uh, beside, uh, Aquaman, they've captured Aquaman. They put him on a, a place that the, the place where they, they were killed by Ariane. It's called the Blood Reef. It's almost like a cosmic barrier reef. It's really mm-hmm. beautifully designed by Francis. And with Wonder Woman's help, he escapes. And the two of them now are, are headed for this graveyard of gods to see if Poseidon, who's been missing since the beginning of the event, is actually there and, and whether or not he can help them. So that's kind of where we are in the story. And, and the graveyard of gods when I described it to Francis. And I said to him, listen, we just want it to be something that's uh, that's magisterial and sort of Kirby-esque and it's sort of uh, lunacy. We want it to feel like this is the place where almost every god that's forgotten or killed goes. And so Francis took a day or two, came back and made this design that almost looks like hands holding hourglass sand, but everything sort of palatial and gold and huge and, and sitting in space like this floating space station. It's so perfect. And you get those things and you're just like, I'm so lucky to be working with these people and they're making me look good. I could write the phone book. and It would look <laughs> great. Um, so yeah, I'm really just thrilled. I mean, Francis's art gets just better and better and better on the series too. So this arc really is about this issue. I mean, is really very much about Wonder Woman and Aquaman discovering what happened to Poseidon and the secrets that he hasn't told them yet about these sea gods, because he has a very dark story and a very dark past about sort of what really happened with them back in the days of Arion and um, and whether or not sort of everything they know is true um, is really called into question. So the graveyard of gods, we really wanted to be a place that felt um, overwhelmingly kind of cosmic and overwhelmingly regal and the kind of place that you could imagine almost any deity, um, you know, in inhabiting. And part of the goal, and then I'll shut up about it, is that uh, we really want Justice League to be a series where every arc is about expanding a couple characters' mythologies um, as the Legion of Doom is kind of unlocking these seven cosmic forces. And, you know, we're trying to sort of push the boundaries of the DCU itself by breaking the source wall and going beyond it and all that stuff. We also want it to be a really personal and intimate series where, especially now that the first arc is done, which has to kind of be all-inclusive and be an arc that, you know, has everybody in it and every ambition and every sort of new element, every idea, just to show the reach and the the, the kind of, um, I think, the mission statement of the whole thing. Now that we're past that, we can still go for that kind of huge over-the-top sort of comic book storytelling um, and still have that ambition. But I can drill down a little bit and have the arcs be more focused on one or two characters. So this one is very much, if the first arc, you know, focused even while it included everybody, a bit more on Flash, um, John Stewart, and Martian Manhunter. Right. This arc really focuses on Aquaman, obviously, but also Wonder Woman. And so the things that we wanted to include, like the Graveyard of Gods, are sort of an expansion of the DCU's cosmology around, um, or theology, really. So it's it's very much about sort of the ways in which faith, divinity, um, are uh, sort of changing now that the source wall is broken and that there are things revealed about sort of the forces behind that or the energies behind um, those things here that uh, play out in huge ways as we go forward in the in the story as well. So, yeah, the Graveyard of Gods plays a really big part and will play a part going forward, and so will the sort of reveal that Aquaman's powers are connected to sort of energies that are also sort of some of the under um, underpinnings of the, the, the multiverse as we know it. 
That's a lot. <laughs> um, <laughs> Sorry, yeah. No, no. I'll try yes way. and no from here forward. It's it's a lot in the best way though. Like really, um, you've got a lot going on in this story, and actually that actually somehow perfectly leads to my next question, um, which is how do you balance like the mythology of you've got Poseidon and whenever you have Wonder Woman you're dealing with like Greek gods and the pantheon and all of that so how do you balance mythology and what's canon there versus DC continuity versus like the original ideas you're bringing into it how do you kind of streamline and say we're going to take some of this some of this and some of that but maybe ignore this other bit you know what I mean it's hard, yeah, because there's so much you want. I think the biggest problem, honestly, is that it's so rich and so robust that you you want to use everything. Mm-hmm. Um, I often have to be kind of tempted back from the ledge by <laughs> James or editorial. When I'm like, and another thing. Um, but the great lens through which to look at all of it and sort of um, the thing, this sort of, you know, whatever figurative monocle you use to kind of look at all of it and decide what works and what doesn't really is the emotionality of the story. So here there's so much I wanted to bring in about different sort of aquatic races that have appeared at different moments in DC history. And also like you're saying about the Pantheon, I had an idea to bring in uh, Hera at one point, all this stuff. Mm -hmm. And ultimately you have to sort of look at it in terms of the emotional arc um, of the two or three main characters that you're focusing on and say, is this, is this, is this uh, buttressing that? Is this supporting that? Is this, you know, propping that up, fueling that, all of that kind of stuff, or is it just something I want to put in? Um, You know, every once in a while, something will sneak in just for a a fun touch. But to me, that's really the, the strainer that you use is that, is this adding to or elevating sort of the emotional trajectory of the characters throughout the story? Cool. Yeah. Yeah. And it makes sense. And and speaking of character, cause you also touched on, you know, the individual character story I'm reading uh, this issue and I keep, you know, we check in on Batman once in a while, your old friend, you know, and <laughs> yeah. He's kind of not, I mean, literally sitting on his butt the whole time. He's doing stuff, He's he is. but he's not in the action. How is he dealing with that, like emotionally and mentally? What is that doing to oh, it's, it's Well, on the one hand, there's like the, the sort of, I think the levity of Batman in a full body cast that sort of allows for allows for a bit of humor and also I think like humility for him as a character, which is a lot of fun to play with because later on you'll see the spoiler, but at the end of the issue, the Legion of Doom attacks while he's alone in his body cast inside of the hall of justice. But next issue, one of the fun things is he's like, you know, this body cast has weapons and those weapons have weapons and they all have a bat symbol on them. And I'm going to kick all of your asses. There's no way you're going to take me down. So, you know, but but on a more serious note, it it impacts him greatly um, emotionally. The fact that Luthor beat him inside the totality um, in arc one really scars him. Um, And so as much as I play it a little lightly with Jaro and all this kind of stuff here for fun, because this isn't his arc, that stuff really comes back to haunt both in uh, February and in March. I'm doing an arc spoiler, but I'm doing an arc about sixth dimension um, Mm -hmm. as the heroes realize that their attempts to sort of, patch the source wall and put the multiverse back together, which happens in our big annual in January. Um, 
uh, as those attempts don't come together the way they wanted and the multiverse starts spinning towards its, its what seems to be its doom, um, Batman takes a lot of um, punishment uh, from himself, like internally, um, because he realizes or because he starts to feel that Luthor might have been right, that, you know, he's always thought of himself as somebody who may not be the leader of the league, but is sort of its most confident person and the the one that knows he can solve anything to, you know, he always wins, just the joke about him. Mm-hmm. And the fact that Luther kept saying to him, you're just a street detective and this is a cosmic problem. And at the end of the day, you're the Achilles heel. I'll always win if I come after you out of the people in the league, it starts to really hit him. So I'm doing this arc, the sixth dimension with Jorge, which is really, really ambitious, big arc that starts in February. That's about the heroes going to the sixth dimension uh, beyond sort of Mr. Mixie Spitlick and Batmite to try and find out if there's kind of a control room to the multiverse in a certain way. And that's where a lot of those emotions with Batman and Superman who take center stage in that arc really come to a head where Batman, Batman's sort of insecurities and the, the kind of, um, the concerns that he's had about himself and his own fallibility really come to the surface. That was like a crazy spoiler, but there you go. <laughs> I I forgive you. Um, <laughs> no, that's super exciting. Um, and I know we're on, uh, you know, you're always busy and everything, so I'm going to let you go soon. But I have one question uh, left for you about uh, one of the first topics we actually spoke about, which is politics. I got to bring it back. I always do, man. Um, but there is a line. <laughs> in Justice League 11 that I can't let you go without talking to you about. Um, It comes out of Superman's mouth. It is phenomenal. And the quote is, being a leader is about inspiring people, reaching for the things that make everyone better in the process, not just defense. And I like read that and I read it like three times. And I was like, my dude is saying something here and I love it. So if you want to take a second to talk about that line in particular, please do. Um, if you just want it to speak for itself, that's also fine. Oh, yeah. No, well, I mean, look, I mean, um, for me, uh, the the heroes are always in conversation with, with what's happening in the present. Mm-hmm. Um, it's important to me that they don't unless their characters are sort of designed to be completely engaged with particular political issues, take open sides on things that are happening in the present day, unless you're doing a story that's about that and, you know, it works. But um, what I do think is intensely important for characters like Superman and Batman and Wonder Woman and and the heroes on the league and Martian Manhunter and Kendra, everybody is that they remind us of our our best selves and our best impulses. And I think um, what Superman is really saying there, I mean, uh, Mara is, is, upset because she feels like the first duty of a queen of Atlantis is to protect Atlantis. And the thing that she thinks that she failed at was that she wasn't sort of looking at its defenses and and protecting it in this way. And instead she was thinking of how to make it better than it has been all these years when it's been this hunkered down sort of city. And, and, to be honest, again, like with, with what you're saying about what Superman says, it's a lot of the thesis of the arc has to do with that. It has to do with this idea that, you know, at moments when things get very frightening, regardless of what political side you're on, you know, and I wear my politics pretty openly on my sleeve on my yeah. social media, but still, regardless of, of what you're, what side you're on, you know, we tend to sort of retreat into these entrenched 
um, really subjective and bubble wrap kind of positions on things. And ultimately, the, the challenges that we're facing are going to need some kind of um, going to need some kind of bridge or connectivity between even the most kind of I think. Um, uh, uh, sort of antagonistic poles in some ways, you know, and there's certainly people that I think, you know, are, are too far gone in ways of like uh, anger and hatred and all that stuff. But I mean, th for the majority of us, like the idea has to be, there's a way to overcome even things that seem insurmountable, big global issues together. And Superman um, is voicing a piece of that, but really what Aquaman is going through in the story and what Mera is going through in the story really reinforce that, I, that, that idea. Aquaman learns that his powers are very much about connectivity, that, you know, it's not just about talking to fish. Fish communicating with each other and working together as a group is one of the primal sort of um, examples of the way in which life survives by banding together, you know, and in that way, it's a deep in our deep in our sort of core selves. So he's connected to something that goes beyond just fish. That's, you know, every sort of living uh, creature on earth you know, is part of one system. And that's what he's seeing. All people are part of one system and that his powers are a reflection of that. Not that he can talk to people and animals and everything like that, but that they reflect a bigger ideal. They're a tiny piece of a bigger ideal. And that that needs to be remembered, both that Atlantis has become something it wasn't supposed to be. Um, he's become something that could be better. Mara could be, has become something that could be better. And all of us could as well. And that's what the heroes are there to remind us of in the face of these threats that constantly come there and say, you erred by reaching too far. You erred by extending an olive branch. You erred by, you know, being open or welcoming or inclusive to, um, people outside of your sphere. Mm -hmm. And suddenly, you know, you, you have to be able to, at least here, I think, see the heroes as examples of our best selves. And that, to me, it, it isn't, it is and it isn't political all at once. You know, it's something that I think a, a lot of political leaders and political figures all over the place aren't benefited by, you know. But at the same time, it's who these heroes are to me. It's them saying, we need to get through this stuff together. And, you know, Superman saying that this it's not about sort of defending what you have against people outside of it. It's about reaching to be, to being a true leader is about trying to make the people that you are governing see themselves in the best light and become better than they thought they could be. Yeah. Yeah, I absolutely love it, man. I hope that makes sense. <laughs> it does. No, it it totally does. And uh I love it. You know, we uh we're we're aligned on a lot of this stuff, man. So I appreciate it. Um cool. Yeah. Well, I'm gonna leave it there. Um Justice League eleven is out November seventh. Um thank you so much, Scott, for taking the time. I appreciate it always. Oh, it's a pleasure. I I no, I appreciate you guys are always so great to us and you know, anyone listening, you gotta Go support comics first because they're awesome. <laughs> Thanks so much, man. I appreciate it.